little John Mayer action. He's uh, on tour um, right now. He just did a couple shows at my favorite venue, Madison Square Garden. And um, you can see him in uh, whatever city you'd like to see him. He's got a great new album called uh, Saw Brock out right now. I think I reviewed it in a much earlier podcast, like uh, maybe back in November, I want to say. It's been some time now, but uh, I'm definitely still listening to a lot of uh, his new tracks. A lot of them are getting some, you know, alt radio play, some alternative radio play. And um, just good to see John Marriott back up and at him. Um, just one of the most, I don't know, just his acoustic is, is probably some of my favorite rock of of uh, the 2000s you know i don't think i don't think he was around in the 90s i mean he was but he's probably living in atlanta performing at like local bars and stuff i mean i don't i don't know what exactly he did in the in the 90s i was a kid then but um i know him from the 2000s and like i've got older cousins and people like that that would go to his shows when he was uh first starting out and he would play like college towns and um i think a lot of those venues must have been really great spots to see him uh back in the day so i would uh welcome the opportunity if he came to uh columbia missouri for example played at the mizzou arena or something like that i think it would be great um but he's at pretty much major arenas he's not even coming to uh, st louis or kansas city for some reason but he's going everywhere else everywhere else he's going to chicago i think maybe two nights he was just in new york for two nights uh then he's coming back to new york for maybe one more night at the Islanders Arena, the brand-new UBS Arena. But I was looking at his uh, set list from Madison Square Garden um, from Sunday night and this past Monday night when he did back-to-back shows, and it was pretty interesting uh, to me because he got, uh, well, he didn't, but a couple of his band members got sick, and um, they had to uh, have him do an acoustic set, I guess, for the second night show, and then Quest Love was filling in for whoever is his uh, normal guy on drums, so it's kind of cool. He got to um, got to uh, be on stage with Quest Love, one of the best drummers ever. Um, the Roots, of course, and Jimmy Fallon. Pretty much, pretty much every night, I think Quest Love's on Jimmy Fallon the uh, Tonight Show. But um, yeah, man, I was looking at his acoustic set list, and I'm just like, damn, that's like everything on there is pretty much pretty much the good old john mayer i mean obviously he did his new songs too as he should they're you know it's, it's a good album it's kind of like a lot of people don't like it um because it is kind of a softer rock it kind of feels kind of like a um mid-90s like salute to jewel or something but um it's a good album and i liked it a lot and uh, i'm still listening to it like i said but anyway i think it's a, his acoustic set list that he did was it monday night was um pretty cool because he did in your atmosphere which i hadn't uh i don't know if he's done that live recently at least not i mean maybe on this tour but not the uh, previous few tours and that's one of my favorite songs i was gonna do that in the uh, greek week talent show back in the day when there was a uh, whatever it is at the uh at uh, jesse hall or whatever it is um and because my roommate was really good at playing it on guitar, and I was going to sing it, and it was going to be amazing, but we decided not to. But that would have been great. Greek Week probably coming up or later this spring for those people uh, currently in Greek life at University of Missouri. Um, good week for philanthropical things and whatnot. But uh, talent show is always really good. I was telling somebody 
um, back in October, I believe, just like how good it is. And, and same thing with Homecoming Week, like the skits and the dances. I mean, some of these are like really good. I mean, for college students just to be able to, um, obviously you got to be in a, in a house, but if you are in a house and you can do uh, the Greek, Greek Week stuff or the Homecoming Week stuff, you know, people know it takes obviously longer than a week to prepare this stuff. And it's really well choreographed, much of it. Um, and it's a good performance. Like if you're in the arts at all, maybe you have a lot of things against Greek life because uh, you've only lived in a dorm and, and you think uh, Greek people are the worst. Well, just maybe go hang out at the, uh, the uh, whatever, Jesse Hall, Jesse Auditorium when uh, the Greek, Greek week thing kicks off uh, in a month or whatever it is. But um, or homecoming week for next year if you're hanging around for the fall um yeah i mean it's actually pretty good it's really well choreographed and i don't know how many schools do something like this i know we were said to invent homecoming so we might go after it a little harder than most other colleges but it's really an exciting week and uh, some cool little talent show things um but yeah so anyway he also did uh free fallen tom petty cover of course it's one of my favorite john mayer songs um and then till the right one comes was the last acoustic one he played before they went back with the full band and did electric and till the right one comes he added in uh you can call me al by al simon or paul simon not al simon <laughs> you can call me al by paul simon was uh the beginning of the song um so that was pretty cool i think anytime john mayer does like snippets of other of other people's music just to like begin one of his own it's pretty cool it's pretty good. He probably does it better than just about anybody. Um, and then with the full band, he did, uh, of course, like something like Olivia, one of my favorite songs ever. Uh, the Beautiful Ones, which is a Prince cover. I love Prince. And Slow Dancing in a Burning Room uh, with Questlove, of course, on uh, drums. His encore was Gravity by, <laughs> by John Mayer, of course, Gravity, uh, from like three albums back. This song must have came out in like 2005 or something. It's so old. Um, but yeah, man, I don't know. I, I, what is my favorite John Mayer album? Uh, you ask, no, nobody's asking, but I'll tell you anyway. Um, <laughs> my favorite John Mayer album is, you know, a lot of people are going to say like, uh, Room for Squares because that's like his first one. That's probably when he was touring the college, the college scene more or less. Like, um, when I, you know, family and friends, saw him at like the carrier dome like in syracuse or the uh, champaign urbana university of illinois assembly hall that was like 2001 that was like his first album and um that was a really good album so i might have to say that but i would actually go with for me personally um you know i like heavier things uh i guess but definitely continuum i don't know i i like continuum a lot um pretty much from start to finish just a great album you got gravity and you got the vultures on there i don't trust myself with loving you weigh it in on the world to change and um then you know you still have slow dancing in a burning room and stop this train and dreaming with a broken heart and so it's just like the whole album is really good it's only 12 songs but really good john mayer and that's kind of like the i don't know if it's the peak of his career i think he's very much still a younger guy um still able to really uh, come out with some great music as we saw with sob rock but you know going forward like i think he's gonna have great albums to come still like i don't i don't think you could dismiss him as being like a 
you know, um, kind of out of his prime. I think he's very much still in his prime. So, anyway, he's only, uh, how old is he? 87, 97, 2007, 2017. He's like uh, 43, 44-ish. 44, I believe. Yeah. yeah. His birthday's the day before mine. That's pretty cool. Yeah, I don't know. Um, and then, because I'm really interested to set list recently, because I heard Greg Giannotti uh, making fun of... Uh, um, the old Mike and Mad Dog uh, radio, sports radio or TV show, whatever it is, Mike and Mad Dog, um, mostly on the radio, but also had a simulcast, I believe, back in the day. And uh, Gio and Boomer on every morning. And, and Gio does this a lot where he makes fun of Mad Dog, like something that Mad Dog would, would say or do back in the day when he was the producer for the Mad Dog show, right? And um, I was thinking about it, and I'm like, I don't I, that it is funny to me that Mad Dog was so obsessed with uh, Bruce Springsteen's set list, but to me, like that's pretty cool. Like, I don't know, like I, if my boss was like, you know, if I'm the producer and he's the the talent, and I'm going into work every day, and he's like, he's like, oh, what what did Bruce Springsteen play the other night? Why don't, why don't you uh, why don't you print me out the uh, the set list? I would be all for it. I'd be like, yeah, why not? Like that's great. But I don't think Greg really likes. Bruce Springsteen that much. I think that was the problem. But I don't know, man. Uh, I've never really looked at a Springsteen set list. I've never been a huge, huge fan. I think he's great. I, I like a couple songs for sure. But for me, if I'm looking at a set list, I'm looking at John Mayer or Dave Matthews Band. And Dave Matthews Band I looked at the other day uh, because he did a show last week in Cancun, which I don't know if that was part of any tour. I think it was just like a random concert. Uh, for people that are like vacationing in Cancun, plus a lot of people live in Cancun nowadays. I saw so many people that are a little older than me that I would know from business in the past or just running into them. Maybe I worked with them or something at an office back in the day. And and they're like purchasing property in Mexico. So it's kind of funny. A lot of people live in Cancun now. I mean, it's not just a vacation town, but uh, or at least have property there, right? But um, he was in Cancun, Dave Matthews Band, the other day. And uh, his, what was it, his encore was like, speaking of set lists, like finding, you know, what, what's interesting about a set list is it kind of tells a story, I think, some artists anyway, they, they play certain songs, like, and the way they do it to kind of be creative and tell a story. Well, Dave usually doesn't do an encore with, uh, with Two Step. He, he did that, I believe, in Central Park uh, back in the day. And but he hasn't done that recently. I, like when I saw him this past summer, somebody was joking and said he he would do uh, some devil in the <laughs> in the encore. I guess because COVID. I don't <laughs> I don't know. But um, he definitely has never done some devil that I know of in his encore. But um, he did do two step the other day, which I thought interesting. And then I believe he even did um, what was the other one? It might have been cornbread. Yeah, it was cornbread, <laughs> cornbread and two step. Which is kind of, I don't know, I've, I haven't seen that in a while. So it's interesting, like, you know, you look at these, some of these set lists and uh, what they're, you know, may or may have not uh, done recently. And, um, you know, it does kind of tell a story. His last show at MSG, which was uh, back on November 13th, Dave Matthews, his encore then was Christmas Song, The Last Stop, which I think is pretty good for being at MSG, and Ants Marching, which is a great encore. And that's the encore that I saw him do over the summer. He did not, of course, do Some Devil. He did Ants Marching. And that's, you know, that's kind of typical Dave. He he would do Ants Marching, you know, any time after 2010, I would say. Ants Marching has been a relevant encore type song. Um, yeah. 
But he did this too. Uh, he did. He played Sledgehammer by Peter Gabriel, and that's pretty cool. Like, I I don't know. I think he just started playing this recently. Maybe I could be wrong, but I I had not heard him do Sledgehammer um, until this past tour. But um, he started out with Warehouse in Chicago over the summer. But according to uh, the set list here at the Garden back uh, November thirteenth, like I said, he started out with Tripping Billies. And then Dancing Nancy's, and then Warehouse. I like it. That's pretty good. <laughs> I'm kind of a nerd when it comes to Dave, but yeah, no, that's pretty good. Uh, I, I like that set list a lot. The tip, you know, specifically the first three, and then four is like one of my, I think one of the most underrated Dave songs. Number four is Stay or Leave. So we did that, uh, followed by You Might Die Trying, and then it's all just like Dave being Dave, and uh, yeah. Yeah. His last song before the encore was Stay, Wasting Time. Uh, that's a really good song, too. Which is pretty... That's yeah, a pretty good segue to the encore, if you ask me. It's pretty good. Yeah. Anyway, uh, speaking of music, because I haven't talked a lot of music. Uh, I got the True False Film Festival going on here in Columbia, I guess, uh, next next week, the 3rd through the 6th. So, you know, because uh, February is a short month, which means I have to start making money um, pretty soon. But I'll do a quick podcast. And... Um, uh, the True False Film Festival. So a lot of documentaries um, going to be on display here in mid-Missouri, Columbia, Missouri. If you need a place to stay, you can stay with me. Or there's a plethora of hotels um, <laughs> in mid-Missouri. But um, anybody in town from Los Angeles uh, that knows me or has heard of me or knows people that I know, you know, feel free to get in touch. Always down to host somebody. Uh, I make a nice breakfast, uh, scrambled eggs usually. Not really, but if I did... With somebody who's here, I would make scrambled eggs. Maybe pancakes, maybe waffles. I'm really not sure. Um, it just depends who's here. Um, because one of my favorite after... Se- um, shit, wait, what? Okay. Uh, <laughs> True false documentary films. By the way, speaking of after-sex meals, I guess this is already E for explicit at this point. No need to say earmuffs, kids. But Because uh, I hope kids don't listen. I'm not really the, not really the demographic I'm going for. Um, but... Uh, <laughs> Al Dukes posted this thing on Twitter today. I guess uh, Ten Ten Wins, um, who does like the traffic report for uh, WFAN Sports Radio. Um, so the fan obviously has a traffic report, like on the morning show and then the evening drive time show. And, and any, most radio stations do this. Um, I don't know if they do that in St. Louis actually because it's ESPN Radio. But if they have like a component where there's like a like CBS Sports Radio in this case in New York. Uh, so, you, so you'll do like the drive time um, traffic reports like regularly, um, you know, from three to six or whatever. And uh, so 1010 Wins does the traffic reports. And I got to look it up because it was funny as hell to me because uh, Al Dukes reposted what 1010 Wins said um, and like a little, uh, they did like um, a breaking news story but it was I think it was strictly on Twitter. I don't think it was a breaking news story that they would have announced, but I jokingly said, uh, well, first of all, he says 1010 wins out here tweeting about butt sex because they have like a news story on Twitter. It says FDA makes history. Okay's first condom specifically indicated for anal intercourse, um, which you know, some people, I guess like that. And uh, so anyway, so 
He says 1010 wins out here tweeting about butt sex, and that's the link. Was to the breaking news on the FDA makes history. Okay, his first condom specifically indicated for anal intercourse. My response, which I thought was kind of funny, was this in the traffic report? Greg Rice is a real weirdo, that one. <laughs> because Greg Rice does the traffic report brought to you by 1010 wins every day. So just kind of funny. Greg Rice with your 1010 wins traffic. Have you had condoms lately? These specifically designed for anal intercourse. You know what I mean? It's just kind of like, obviously that's not something Greg Rice would say, but I just thought, you know, maybe I would get a kick out of that. Maybe he did. I don't know. He didn't say anything. Um, I haven't done a review of tweets in a while. It's kind of funny, but I I won't do that today. Uh, But uh, speaking of uh, good films, not related to anal intercourse, uh, True False Film Festival is uh, back in town and um, uh, actually, I've never been to it because I haven't lived in Columbia in a while. But um, I kind of want to see like the uh, the lineup. So the 2022 feature films, as I'm 17 minutes in and just been talking about music set lists and weird news stories. Um, yeah, let's see. Second Chance. That's a 89-minute film from director Ramin. Barani tackles the bizarre life of body armor inventor Richard Davis, who repeatedly shot himself on camera to promote his product's efficacy. So that's probably kind of like a satirical type thing, you know, with all these uh, people that do. Um, oh, body armor is a very good drink, by the way. But like, you know, a lot of people do these uh, infomercials late night um, for like just absolute dog shit products. And I think that could be what director Ramin Balrani's going for, although Body Arm is a very good product. Um, I don't know. I kind of want to watch this one. I told somebody the other day, I've, I've not really watched too many of these uh, at all, and I need to. Um, what was the other one that I had circled? I think that could be interesting because uh, people in my family uh, drink a lot of body armor. <laughs> um, I don't know what it is. I, I think because a lot of us, you know, go to the gym a lot and stuff. So uh, I, even though I haven't recently, because I think I did something to my wrist. Um, okay, here's one. Brotherhood by director Francisco Montaner. Um, an immersive and visually stunning portrait of three Bosnian brothers. Oh, people in uh, South St. Louis, Melville will love this. Of three Bosnian brothers during the <laughs> incarceration of their father, an Islamic preacher and shepherd on terrorism charges. Okay. So that sounds pretty interesting. You know, there's a lot of Bosnians, uh, even even in Chicago, actually. I believe there's a lot of Bosnians, too, that came over uh, during the Civil War. Um, Let's see. Children of the Mist, ancient customs and modernity clash in the North Vietnamese mountains when a young girl resists societal pressures and foregoes marriage to pursue education. So that's kind of an interesting one. You know, I, I find myself, and, and because I think it's like a big thing, certain families obviously, like, oh, you want to you wanna settle for a shiksa, do you? And it's like, you know, it's like the Jewish guy that goes for like the all-American blonde that is not Jewish at all or whatever, not even all-American blonde. Maybe she's uh, Indian or <laughs> um, for people that I know. Uh, or maybe she's uh, whatever, just not not Jewish, not or or American or something. And, and so, not so many of those films in America. But there's so many documentaries or or just films in general, dramas really, or dramedy, kind of comedy drama, uh, set in Israel. Um, you know, particularly with Palestinian women and Jewish men, or vice versa. 
and it's always funny because usually there's like a rabbi in the family, right? Like, like usually the father of one of the, you know, people is a rabbi. And so it's like, how could you do this to me? <laughs> it's just like so much back and forth. But it, I like the ones where they can kind of do a, a humorous element to them. Uh, so it's not strictly just like chaos, if you will. I don't know. Could be could be tough. Um, but those are good films. And, and so this is kind of another one of those, like a young girl resists societal pressures and forgoes marriage to pursue education. Yeah, you know, uh, Children of the Mist, director Ha Le Diem, um, 90-minute film. And, you know, it's kind of surveying that same uh, aspect this time, not really about a spouse. Uh, in fact, I don't think it has anything to do with a, excuse me, spouse being from a different culture. I think it actually just, means like somebody's you know a woman trying to pursue education and there's societal pressure on women uh in certain cultures especially not to really pursue education and just to kind of find their husband right so i think that could be a good film it was one that i circled um this was cool because i think argentina is cool not because i'm a nazi or former nazi but because <laughs> that's where they fled um but uh from director eduardo crespo the delights is a 65 minute film uh, it takes place at an agricultural-based uh, boarding school in Argentina. Kids learn by doing and are given the time and space they need to start finding their own path to adulthood. So this could be interesting because I was really interested in agriculture as a kid. My grandfather had a bunch of land, um, obviously, um, in the country. And so we would go there and kind of look at some of the crops, you know, the fruit area and the vegetable area. And so... <laughs> really just interesting um to have a boarding school designed around this concept in argentina that's kind of cool so yeah i think that would be a really good one the delights and then we have uh fire of love director sarah dosa from 90 uh from from this year what am i talking about 93 minutes um the epic love story of this is a good one it's about the people that study volcanoes. Volcanologists Katia and Maurice Kraft told through the breathtaking films they shot of their adventures to study the volcanoes of the world. Presented by Fresh Food Design Catering and Events. Um, wow, so they got a sponsorship tied to it. Fire of Love. So that could be cool. You know, I'm, I'm definitely... There was a... Who was that? Uh, no, that's kind of a dumb story, but... I was thinking of uh, my seventh grade or maybe a sixth grade reading teacher that was obsessed with Mount St. Helens <laughs> because whatever it was kind of, it was like a volcano, right? But not a volcano, just like the, the mountain, uh, the lava came out or something. I guess it was a volcano technically, right? But he was really obsessed with Mount St. Helens. And so we, we had to study Mount St. Helens for like three weeks in reading class, kind of not your everyday reading class potentially there. But I have another story about reading class, um, and I'll review more true-false films. Uh, and actually, after I'll watch them. I'll, I'm not just, like this is kind of a half-assed effort on my end, and I apologize because it's coming right up. It's you know starts March third, but it's the twenty-third today. So ideally, like, I do have some time still to watch some of these. But I've been kind of busy with school and behind on my bills because my car was in the shop. Um, I don't know. Um, I, there's, there's a few more that I, I want to talk about. I, I think this one is, is good. Riotsville, USA, Dr. Uh, director, Dr. Dr. Uh, no, director Sierra Pettengill um, actually came out this year, 2022. Um, 
It's about a, a fictional town created by the U.S. military during the uprisings of the late 1960s. So I'm guessing there's just like riots every day and and they can kind of practice how to deal with rioters, the U.S. military. Um, and it's all fiction. So it's like from it's like from the Neil Young song, Ohio. Uh, that's where it probably gets most of its inspiration, but probably none of it, actually. <laughs> I don't know what I'm saying, but it, that's a good Neil Young song which is about the, you know, Kent State stuff from the 60s. Um, what was, oh, from uh, director Kevin Shaw. Kevin Shaw, not Clayton Kershaw, just Kevin Shaw. From 2022, just this year, Let the Little Light Shine with Two Eyes. Shines with Two Eyes, yeah. In Chicago, a beloved predominantly African-American school with a track record for excellence is threatened by plans that smack of gentrification, but it won't go down without a fight. So that kind of, that, that could be interesting. It's kind of a local spotlight, if you will, not, not too far down the road, Chicago, Illinois. Um, so that, that could be good, right? That could be good. So I'm going to watch a few of these. I've got a few of them circled. Um, but uh, I, I think it'll be a good film festival. I'm really excited to be in town for it. You know, I've had a lot of friends over the years go to Sundance or whatever, and you know, uh, some of my rich friends that go to Coachella every year, you know, have also I think one of a couple of friend groups that I have went to like um, Cannes, you know, in the south of France, right? So like, I, I'm very underprivileged. I'm, I've always kind of been like the poorest of my friends. <laughs> To this day, basically, and uh, it sucks. Yeah, it sucks, and it's not like the, it's not. I mean, it, and it's like a diverse friend group. Like, mind you, like you know, like everybody, and and I'm supposed to be like uh, the white Jewish guy that that should have money but doesn't, and everybody else around me just does, and they're all mixed. Uh, they're all mixed breeds. So I'm like the thoroughbred over here that just does not have any money, and that's always been my story. And maybe I'm bad with managing money, as my sponsor in L.A. would tell you. But I don't think that's completely the story. I think I've just been kind of hacked and not whacked, but hacked. And uh, some of my money's gone missing over the years. And and I just, I, I, yeah, I mean, sometimes I do manage money pretty pathetically, actually. But I'm working on it, and it's a work in progress. And, um, you know, for an economics major in 2014, I I could definitely do better. I guess I just... It's it's these kind of situations that I don't anticipate, um, like whatever, like uh, contingency planning. I don't do that very well when it comes to my money. Now I feel like if it's if it's like an organization that I'm uh, like whatever, like heading an organization or um, like a vice president of like a you know whatever IFC council or something back in the day. Like I ran these things incredibly well, I think, and you know like. Uh, chairman for social events at a fraternity or something like these are all things I can do. I can manage them well. I won't, you know, make the the money run out or spend too much money or anything like that. But when it comes to my own money, for whatever reason, I guess I just expect more of it. Uh, I, I tend to have trouble. So anyway, I'm working on it, but um, I don't think I'm going to be going to Coachella this year. No, I'd like to. I'd like to. Yeah, I was going to get into that lineup as well, but I mean, dude, it's not until. April 15th through the 17th, and then again, uh, 22nd through the 24th. So it's like, why would I even talk about that? We got True False right down the road next week, baby. So, yeah, I need to probably uh, actually watch some of this stuff and uh, be better with my money at the same time. Uh, So I need to get to work today. But first, take a quick break, and then 
I'm going to review um, some of the highlights in the NHL that have already transpired uh, since we've gotten back from the All-Star break. I don't play hockey. I don't know why I say we. But um, should I even talk about the NHL? I don't know. You know what? I've been watching Abraham Lincoln, and I have another story about reading class from 7th grade, not 6th grade, right? Or was it 8th grade? It was 8th grade. Wow. Totally misscripted this whole episode. All right, that's all good. We'll come right back and talk about Abraham Lincoln. Great show. Now uh, airing on history. Gravity Action, what a great song that is for an encore, let me tell you. Gravity. Uh, gravity, yeah. So, uh, <laughs> John Mayer. John Mayer, everybody. Uh, so cool. I, I, You know, I don't know where I'm going to see him uh, on this Sob Rock tour. I got to check the uh, the uh, tour dates here. I, I just want to see, like, where would be a good place. By the way, I was on the... Uh, speaking of... Uh, well, not really anything, but uh, because people, the people listening are on hold right now while I look up these uh, John Mayer tour dates, I'm thinking to myself, I was on hold early with Apple, and I thought of the funniest thing. You guys know how they do that uh, screen sharing where where the Apple uh, person can look at like whatever you're looking at on your screen in an attempt to like fix whatever's going on, which they did. They did a great job. Shout out to Apple. Um, but... Uh, <laughs> Uh, I I thought of something hilarious because um, I was thinking of Hunter Biden and uh, you know my buddy Hunter, and it's kind of funny. Like, what if when they were doing the screen sharing, you know, maybe it's somebody is you know a little on the dumb end or whatever, forgot they had like a couple windows open or something, and I thought like, oh, wouldn't it be great if they had like a like a bunch of porn like right when you share the screen with the Apple person. I don't know. I thought that would be funny. There was a guy at my high school that got in a lot of trouble because, um, I don't know. I think it was like while the teacher was teaching, it was like business uh, law or something, or uh, intro to business law, maybe. Obviously, like probably high school, but like an AP course. So like not not a dumb guy, but like somebody just like trying to be very very funny. And I think that's the only reason you would do that to the Apple people, by the way, is, is to be funny. I don't think anybody would purposely leave up like a bunch of – or on accident leave up a bunch of porn. But maybe they would. There's a lot of dumb people out there. Um, would you want to scare, uh, share your screen with me? Oh, my God, sir. Sir, could you please exit that out? Uh, okay, we're going to go over here. You're going to click the app? No. Um, but this kid, uh, he printed out a <laughs> – from you know a high school computer lab, just like a picture – of, of a woman's genitalia or whatnot and uh, printed it out. And, and because he knew he was kind of a funny guy, I guess, uh, he knew that the teacher handed out all the printouts for um, like while he that while they were lecturing, while we were like working on homework, we weren't allowed to like get up and go reach for this um, printouts. Right. So he would um, he would go to the printer and like, you know, print out or hand out everybody's uh, things that they printed and uh, he just finds a picture of, uh, you know, some uh, some strange. And uh, <laughs> could you imagine? So he, they had to, like, first of all, he's just like, 
oh my goodness, what what is this? And he's he's kind of a funny guy. Uh, the teacher, I mean, he, he's just kind of quirky, 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 is that the word? Uh, kind of quirky, if you will. Um, but uh, he, yeah, he was uh, very distraught by this. And, um, you know, they had to, because no one fessed up to it, obviously, right? So they had to, like, go in and look at, like, what computer it was coming from. <laughs> and, and I think that's how they, they got him. But he didn't really get in much trouble. He probably just got, like, suspended or something for a class or something. And this is not me, by the way. This is, like, some kid who's he's a funny guy i didn't really hang out with him too much but um i don't know i think he went to, to the military after high school or something but just kind of one of those uh you know pranks it's kind of like too much tuna you go to a diner and uh you you say you're gonna order your friend the best meal because it's the best diner they've ever been to and you just order them two giant globs of tuna for a tuna sandwich it's too much tuna it's a funny prank but, uh, yeah, it's kind of good. Uh, spe- speaking of too much tuna, yeah, John Mulaney back on SNL uh, Saturday. That should be great. They're probably, they're probably in rehearsal dinners right now, like it's a wedding, rehearsal dinners. No, I mean, they, they rehearse all week. They, uh, you know, practice their little skits, and uh, that's like an all-week thing. So it's got to be exciting for him to be back uh, where he started his writing career um so that should be a good one snl this week yeah john mulaney yeah um what was i getting to oh i just wanted to see where john Mayer was like um yeah yeah like when he was going to be nearby i think is what i was going for i'm having trouble doing that right now i know he's in pittsburgh uh this weekend he's in dc tonight i believe um and i'm having a lot of trouble just finding like tour dates should I just do it on StubHub, secondary market? Um, John Mayer. I'm just interested because uh, it's, you know, it's always a good show, John Mayer. And um, let's see. Like near me, near me, you know? Like like not too much, right? Besides Chicago, there's, there's not going to be too much. No, just everywhere. Um, okay, really? Um, uh, more events. There we go. Yeah, yeah. He goes. He goes to DC. Like I said, to Pittsburgh. Back to uh, Elmont, or basically Queens, uh, UBS Arena. Um, Boston next week for two nights, right? And then Vegas for one night, and then uh, Inglewood, SoFi looks like right. Uh, oh, the Forum, which is right next to SoFi, where the, where the Lakers used to play, the Forum, the legendary Forum. That's where Magic Johnson made his best 360 moves. Well, that was more of a Kareem Abdul-Jabbar thing, but Magic certainly played there. Um, And then he goes to San Fran, and then he goes to Seattle, and then the Great Salt Lake, and then Denver, and then South Florida, and Tampa, and Atlanta, and Charlotte, and Nashville, ooh, Nashville. Yeah, that would actually be a good spot, a uh, good place to see John Mayer. In my opinion, I think Nashville would be, yeah, I do. I think John Mayer would be a good show in Nashville. Because it's it's a folky, obviously, country town uh, known for country music, you know, the Grand Ole Opry and things like that. And pretty much every country musician um, has had their day in Nashville. And But he's not country John Mayer, like, at all. 
but still, there's elements in his voice of this kind of folkier uh, bluegrass, um, you know, even some of the guitar riffs and whatnot. So I think it would be a good show in Nashville. He's only there for one night in Nashville. It's April 13th. But really, that would be a great spot to see him, I think, kind of uh, in my neck of the woods currently. Austin, Austin uh, is going to be there for two nights, three nights maybe. Yeah, 20th, 21st, and 20 no no he's just in Austin for two nights but then he goes to Houston the next day um for one night and Dallas and like I said Chicago for two nights the 28th and 29th of April that might be a good place to see him I don't know um then it looks like he ends the tour uh Toronto Toronto in May so yeah pretty much every major market he's gotten two two dates except you know except New York where he's there for three and he was in albany for one too which is interesting so it's really uh hitting the tri-state area hard and then inglewood california a couple nights too i believe right two nights in inglewood three nights no two yeah three three in la as well so yeah if you're gonna do three in new york you gotta do three in la john mayer knows that better than anybody so uh good stuff all right um what was I getting to? What am I watching right now? So I watched Euphoria, obviously, last week. I've been talking a lot about how I think it's a great social study and all this other stuff. Um, interesting episode. Good episode. I liked it a lot. Really, really, really liked it. Um, or did I? I don't really know. I, I think we saw more about Nate's background, which is interesting and kind of sad. Really sad, actually. Um, and we saw a little bit more about um, Lexi and kind of how she um, gets herself together has put herself through some tight situations and dealing with all the uh social energy of her sister that just is like off the wall always and kind of um being you know the sister of this like whatever like just super hot uh you know well endowed we'll say woman young woman and what it's like and then just all the drama that's unfolding at that high school um, it's really cool, by the way. Like, where, where are you gonna ever be able to do a um, high school play like she's putting on now? Unless you're Judd's daughter in real life, but obviously this is a TV show. I'm just saying, that's some pretty damn good audiovisual support, um, and directing that for for like at a high school. I'm like, dude, like, what what kind of high school is this? Because I, I don't recall us having a, such advanced, uh, you know. Uh, I mean, the auditorium is one thing, but, like, to put everything together, like, to get it choreographed like that and just the team involved. I mean, you looked at that, at that uh, what do you call it, the Nate, the the last, like, little scene, I believe, was with Nate when he storms out because it's, like, all the football guys and they're just, like, dressed with nothing on and, like, some movements, like, they're humping things and it's just kind of weird, but, but funny. Everyone's kind of laughing, having a good time, right? And just think about all those extras they had to hire for that i mean that's like not a high school play at that point that's like <laughs> that's like a broadway play but yeah it's kind of funny um but i love maud apatow and she's doing a great job um uh like i said there's like different episodes where there's all like a character it'll be pretty much centered on one character but it'll also dive into like other characters and and this one's great because lexi's never really had a huge part in the show but and now she gets her play so it kind of encompasses everybody on the program. So it's like now you get to see through her play 
you know, what it must have been like for her, but then like for Nate and for Cassie and a little bit for Maddie. And so it was a really, really kind of put everything together type episode. And you need that, especially uh, after the last few episodes have been kind of centered on one particular character, which is kind of a cool way to move um, a show along and, um, you know, kind of develop characters. And uh, Euphoria's always done a really good job of that. So uh, it's getting better. I think next episode will be even even better if that's possible i'm sure it will be it's to be continued i think any episode dating back to seinfeld which always had the best to be continued because they'd be like right in the middle of something stupid like george and jerry would be fighting about something or they'd be lost in california finding kramer and uh and then like it'll be you know to be continued but like that's one show where everything that was to be continued was always super solid and now it's like Euphoria, I believe this is the first time Euphoria's done like a to be continued. Maybe maybe they did it last season. I, I forget, but but this should be a good episode for sure. Um let's see. Abraham Lincoln. Uh yeah, Abraham Lincoln on History Channel has been really pretty good. I've really enjoyed watching it. I think it started because of uh because of President's Day, obviously. President's Day was just this past week on Monday. And um, really kind of uh, just insightful miniseries. You got, like, Barack Obama on there talking about him and uh, just some, you know, well-known historians on there talking about him and uh, Bill Clinton, I believe, maybe, but, but probably not, but maybe. Uh, I forget. I haven't even watched the most recent episode. It, I think the last one aired last night. So uh, I really like the show, Abraham Lincoln on History Channel. Um, it's been super insightful. I've learned a lot kind of about, um, you know, I, I remember reading as a kid, like about the different battles and this and that. And, um, even like, uh, what I was talking about before was like in eighth grade reading class, we had to read this book and it was like a poor, uh, uh, we'll say impoverished family probably took place in like Kentucky or Tennessee, I want to say. And, uh, they were very much like describing a lot of family i mean this this example of this book we were we read during class um kind of embodies a lot of different families at this time and uh it's, it takes place in kentucky and you have like one family that's yeah i mean members of, of that family were union and the other members were confederates and um they were very poor and they couldn't like afford and and like the you know nearby battles caused like a shortage of food and things like that so they had to like go far and wide just to get like coffee and like the one mother was or the mother in the home was like i forget the name of this book by the way it's gonna drive me nuts but anyway the mother was really struggling because she couldn't get her coffee right because they're like all the town stores were out of it they were going to the troops on both sides i guess there's like maybe some nearby battles and uh so she's like struggling to get coffee and she's like doesn't have any energy and the family's just very impoverished going through a rough time and you know there's extended family that's dying because they were in actually in the war and things like that and we we were like we read it in eighth grade and but i'm like thinking about it at, at last night specifically when uh lincoln because i watched you know a few uh minutes of last night's episode i got to finish it all the way but he delivers the getty gettysburg address right like the most well-known speech probably in presidential history and all around him are like these really affluent, like well-to-do people, you know, kind of like your industrial revolution type people. Um, well, the people that would be responsible for the major changes the country 
um, would have, you know, in the next 50, 60, 100 years. And these are those people, or at least their fathers, whatever. And I'm thinking to myself, like, these people all look like dressed really nicely, haven't seen a lick of battle in the war, right? Like, have, haven't gone to battle at all, haven't, uh, haven't been in the war, probably don't have much, if any, family in the war. These are all just, like, affluent people surrounding President Lincoln as he delivers the Gettysburg Address, right? And I'm thinking to myself, how many people were like this during the Civil War era? Was there a, I mean, like, was there a class of people that just were so out of it and so detached from the war? Because it was like you, you, I don't know, the way they begin the episode and it's like, okay, he's, or, or the speech part of the episode, I should say. And he's up there, and like I'm saying, everyone's kind of dressed really nicely, and they're, you know, schmoozing, having a good time. And I'm, I'm thinking to myself, like, he hasn't once said anything about, like, the blood or the gory details or a specific battle when he's talking amongst these folks. Now, he delivers the speech, and, you know, four score and yada, yada, yada. And he's like, this country has seen a civil war. And, and I'm thinking to myself, I'm like, do you know how many politicians say something like that to today to that effect? Like the civil war we're facing today is division, political division, great division, both sides, so much division. And, uh, you know, I'm thinking to myself, huh, you know, we, we use that kind of paradigm as like there being a civil war, even when there's not actually a bloody, uh, um, like real actual war, right? So it's kind of like a saying that we've grown accustomed to. Now, back in the Civil War era where, well, I mean, we weren't there, but to our knowledge, there was a, it was a real war. Like there was, you know, arms on both sides and, and they were like, they had battle lines, they had battle places and, you know, Atlanta burned to the ground and other cities burned to the ground and in the South. And like, so anyway, I'm just saying, um, Appomattox Courthouse, you know, the list goes on. It's just like, you think about anytime there's a conflict, whether that be the Revolutionary War, whether that be... Um, I don't know, like the war in Iraq, whatever, the war in Afghanistan. You're always going to have a group of people that's just so not uh, with the program. Like they, they have no idea that that sort of thing's going on. They're well-to-do, they have money or upper middle class, definitely upper class, and they don't fight. They don't know anybody that's fighting. And And I'm looking at these people while he delivers the Gettysburg Address, and I'm thinking to myself, are they aware of the actual fighting that's going on or, or do they see his comments when he mentions the civil war? Do they think of it as a literal war or are they so kind of rich and, and up there and has really no uh, idea of what's going on beneath them, if you will, right? Like, do they even know the civil war is going on? I guess is my question. And most would be like, oh, are you crazy? Of course they did. The whole country knew it was a civil war. I'm like, but did they? I mean, I'm just saying, like, it was a long time ago, for sure. It was a very, very long time. It was 1860. But how many did, and, and is it possible for there to be families, you know, very wealthy families, that just didn't get too hands-on at all? Is it possible? I think yes. After seeing the Gettysburg Address and that episode of Abraham Lincoln last night on History Channel, I think absolutely it is possible. I think you could have many families, um, you know, whether that be a business class where maybe they have an office, especially, by the way, if you consider the fact that, um, I don't know, 
Paris and uh, England. I mean, all of France, not just Paris, but but France and England had had just abolished any sort of slavery going on there in, in the decades prior to 1860. So it's like, yeah, like especially if they just came over from England or France, or they have a lot of their family maybe still in England or France, or they have like I don't know what you say, like an office in Paris or an office in London. Then yeah, like those sort of families probably wouldn't have anything to do with the Civil War, even if they had a residency in this country. So there you have it. I think that's very important um, because that's a precedent. That's a precedent. Like that's not just about the Civil War. That could be about any war. That could be about anything ever going on. Um, just when you think about the globalization that has happened, I mean, globalization is not a new thing. I mean, globalization has been around for centuries. It's just now we actually talking about it because. You know, the, the masses are globalized now, right? Like the goods, goods are globalized now. Uh, trade, commerce, everything's globalized now. Yeah. But back in the day, there were still globalized citizens, you know, individual wealthy people that just by being in whatever position they were, uh, you know, heading whatever company they ran or founded or whatever, they were globalized naturally. So it's just, um, you know, I'm just saying like the, any kind of conflict, any kind of uh, thing that you that you think like, oh, everybody knows. No, not so fast. Not everybody at all times knows any one thing. So just a lesson on the day. And I think that's important because, you know, I, there's many conflicts that are like that. And I don't know, but the book we read in eighth grade, it's uh, the, the reading does suggest the whole country, especially like this from from reading from the perspective of like this family in Kentucky, right? That we just the whole country must have known about this. Everyone knew somebody fighting on both sides and yada, yada, yada. And I'm just like, yeah, I don't know if that that's true. I don't know that that's true. And I don't think it is. I don't think you can speak for the entire country um, just from a perspective of a Civil War book. That's obviously fiction. I mean, <laughs> so. All right. Well, that's it for me today. Um, I wonder what that book is, by the way. I don't think I'll ever find it. It's probably taken out of the curriculum after I got to high school, which is a year later. So anyway, funny stuff. True False Film Festival. I'll actually, uh, yeah, yeah. I'll try to uh, review some of these, actually watch them um, more more in depth, take notes, do what I do what I do when it comes to film and movie reviews. And um, then, you know, we can talk more about True False next week. Can't wait. Hope I, hopefully, hopefully. I get to pick up some people from the airport, some directors, some producers, and um, we could just all talk like that. It'd be great. So um, Too Much Tuna coming to SNL uh, Saturday. Can't wait. John Mulaney. Everybody should watch it. But I'm not trying to tell you what to do, but I'm saying it should be funnier with John there. And um, I think that's it. You know, NHL. Yeah, NHL's back. NBA coming back pretty soon now. Uh, All-Star game. A lot of people liked it. NBA will be back this week at some point, I'm sure, after their all-star break. But uh, conference tournaments coming up in the NCAA. I'm not going to talk too much about NCAA basketball because it's been depressing this year, especially if you're at University of Missouri. Yeah, yeah. Okay, good times. Hope everyone has a good rest of your week and good weekend. Don't drink and drive. Call me if you need me. Uh, call me, beat me if you want to reach me. Wow, that was impossible. I just said that. All right, good times.